0: Hello, uh, my name is Lawrence Russell, deputy editor of Connectivity Business News. I'm joined by Dr. Andrew Nuttall, uh, CTO and co-founder of Skylo Technologies, a satellite narrowband IoT solution company that we wrote about just last week, uh, detailing their uh, uh, collaboration with Soracom to deliver IoT connectivity. Um, so, uh, Andrew, could you um, flesh out the company a little bit for our audience who may not be fully aware?
1: Hi, Lawrence. uh, Thanks for having me and and happy to do so. So, you know, as you mentioned, Skylo is a network operator. But the interesting thing about Skylo is our networks come from the sky and come from satellites as opposed to coming from the horizon and coming from cell towers. And so our, our thesis statement here is how can we offer a network that looks the exact same as the existing terrestrial networks, but allows you to have connectivity wherever you may go or wherever you have access to the sky And so, in essence, working with our customers to create a completely ubiquitous or elevated form of connectivity, which includes both satellite as well as terrestrial connectivity.
0: Fantastic. So how do non-terrestrial networks enable strong, reliable connectivity? Are uh, satellites like these ubiquitous um, to count on yet?
1: Yeah, so there are a variety of different satellite uh, architectures and infrastructures in space today. Uh, The globe is certainly covered with satellites all around the world, whether it's low Earth orbit satellites, like the type of satellites you see with Global Star when they support the Apple uh, emergency services products or companies like SpaceX or Iridium. But then also there's a host of geostationary satellites, very large satellites that are further away that also cover the entire globe. Uh, with uh, companies and partnerships that we have with folks like um, uh, ViaSat and Marsat, Ecostar, uh, and others here, and so that global coverage is is available today. And the thing that I would want to highlight is, um, for us, this is not about creating a parallel set of networks. It's about taking the reliability and the strength of the terrestrial networks that you have today, and then augmenting or adding on top of them. And so when you talk about the future for connectivity, it's about a hybrid connectivity service offering.
0: Right. So so to to step back a little bit and um, get a clearer picture, what sort of technologies are we talking about here? What, what, does, uh, what does Skylo connect? What does IoT connect?
1: Yeah. And so today our focus is on a specific 3GPP or cellular ecosystem technology called NB-IoT. Uh, it's not important that you remember the name of it, but it's important that you understand that it's a narrowband means of connectivity, um, and it's part of the cellular ecosystem, part of that cellular portfolio of technologies. And so when I refer to narrowband, you know, think about use cases like how can you enable ubiquitous text messaging for a phone or emergency services for that phone? Perhaps, as an example, you are renting a car from a car rental company, And, you know, they need to get remote access to unlock the doors because you you forgot the key somewhere. Or, you know, one of the examples that's kind of near and dear to to me. So I live in California and, uh, you know, California is, you know, unfortunately notorious right now for the large number of wildfires that we have. And so think about use cases as an example, like ubiquitous monitoring of electrical pole lines uh, in both the urban centers as well as the you know, the mountains and the, the forests, et cetera, some of those more remote regions. And so it's a narrowband service, and that narrowband service manifests itself sometimes in the consumer segment, whether it's for people with phones or with watches, et cetera. Um, but it also manifests itself in the uh, industrial segments for asset tracking, for electrical grid monitoring, uh, for agriculture, environmental monitoring, et cetera. And so it's a narrowband use case uh, today. Uh, because that's what today's satellite infrastructure can effectively support. And the underlying technology about that is NB-IoT. And I mentioned, you know, that was a 3GPP or cellular ecosystem technology. That's an incredibly important piece because then it puts the ecosystem in a position where you don't have to utilize special products or special hardware to engage in satellite connectivity. You can eliminate the decision point of having to choose whether you want satellite or terrestrial connectivity and get both. And so as a, you know, as a customer, you know, my local electric company may have many electrical poles that are in uh, terrestrial coverage uh, and many electrical poles that are not. And now for the very first time, they can buy one product with one network connectivity solution and it works wherever their um, assets are. And the same thing from the consumer angle. And so it's a narrowband product today. And it's run over a cellular ecosystem technology such that you can live that vision of hybrid connectivity.
0: So, so those not uh, clued up on the technicality of some of this, um, I will specify NB refers to narrowband and NB uh, IoT. Um, what what is so special about it being narrowband? People t- hear about IoT all the time. Uh, narrowband and cellular, this reaction to the two of them. Uh, is this a special uh, feature? Is this something that you you can do that others can't?
1: Yeah, so so narrowband is is kind of uh, rising to the top right now um, because of of basically the physical limitations in terms of what it takes to communicate with satellites. And so typically, when you're communicating over the terrestrial network, you may have a cell tower that's you know a few kilometers from your house. You may have a Wi-Fi router that's uh, ten feet from your laptop. But when you start talking about satellites, you know, these are at the closest 500, 600 kilometers away. And at the farthest, they're 35,000 kilometers away. Imagine trying to communicate with a wireless router, you know, uh, halfway around uh, the planet here. It's a very uh, difficult task, and it's a difficult task to do so in a manner which is robust and causes you to have a good experience. And so that's why narrowband IoT has been so um, important for the industry because it's a mechanism to allow those communications to be a little bit more efficient by squeezing all of that transmission power in a very normal, uh, narrow portion of bandwidth. And from Skylar's perspective, we pick that technology for that reason, as well as the ecosystem alignment piece. But then we also as an organization spend a lot of time investing in technology development such that we can enable Different features, unique features or other capabilities that makes it easier to service some of these use cases, like I mentioned, for emergency services for consumer assets, as an example. And so I think you're going to see a lot of proliferation of narrowband IoT as the de facto satellite or non-terrestrial network communication standard.
0: Uh, Fantastic. Um, uh, As I mentioned before, uh, we covered uh, your uh, collaboration with Sorocom last week. Uh, I'd love to follow up with you on that. So um, this was uh, um, the the chief technology officer of Sorocom, Kenta Yasukawa, mentioned that this is a step forward to a, a cloud native future where you can connect from anywhere. Uh, without mm-hmm. compromising availability. Um, so, so more, more generally, what is this, uh, co- uh collaboration going to unlock for you? What, uh, what is this a step towards? Excellent.
1: No, they're a great, uh, great team at SORCOM, and I think it's a pretty exciting opportunity. And so, you know, if you think about cellular connectivity, that whole ecosystem, it's a big e- ecosystem play where well, you've got folks like chipset manufacturers, module manufacturers, hardware manufacturers, test equipment houses, network operators, MNOs, MVNOs, et cetera. And you've got to get that whole industry wound up uh, in this new capability, which is the non-terrestrial network capability. And so the exciting piece about this is, you know, Skylo is a, is a type of company that sells our services not to end subscribers, uh, but to existing MNOs and MVNOs uh, because our fundamental thesis is satellite connectivity is successful when you can eliminate changes in users' behaviors. And so users like yourself, like myself, like other companies, they buy connectivity from existing MNOs and MVNOs today. That's who you pay for your connectivity from. You get that wonderful terrestrial service. And it's not our intent to replace that. It's our intent to augment that. And so we partner with companies like Soracom, to offer Soracom satellite connectivity. And so what that does is that puts Soracom in the position to go to all of their customers, whether they're asset tracking companies, whether they're individuals, and offer them a hybrid service, uh, a single SIM card, a single bill plan. um, But it's a service now that seamlessly roams between satellite and terrestrial connectivity. And so the same way as an example that the SIM in your phone, when you are, perhaps in uh, downtown uh, New York City, uh, it may connect to a Verizon or an AT&T network. And then as you uh, you know travel over to Europe, you may roam onto a Vodafone network. Um, and then in this particular case, as you leave those terrestrial connectivity areas, you would roam onto the Skylo network. And so Soracom is a great example of an organization that's bringing that truly seamless hybrid connectivity to market uh, for the first time. And so customers of Soracom then, can buy a SIM and have confidence that wherever they go, whether it's downtown San Francisco, whether it's to the Rocky Mountains or the outback in Australia or whatever, uh, they can be confident that they'll have connectivity. And at the end of the day, it's a single SIM, it's a single build plan, it's a single piece of hardware, and it just works between the both.
0: Fantastic. I will specify that an MNO is a mobile network operator. I believe you said MVNO, uh, mobile uh, virtual network operator, that's correct? Yep, that is correct. Fantastic. So what's the potential for a widely digitized world full of environmental sensors and wearables, all of this thing? When this fully hits the consumer market, what kind of world are we going to be living in?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's there's the two segments I want to highlight and identify here. I think, you know, first, from the consumer side um, you know i think we continue to increase our reliance uh, and interest and demand for mobile data uh, specifically and i think apple has done a wonderful job in terms of introducing satellite connectivity to a much broader market um but in this case specifically in the emergency services case and i think you've seen a lot of news stories or we've seen a lot of news stories already about how that's paying dividends uh, for folks who have access to this type of connectivity but i think the future in the consumer segment is um when you start unlocking more accessible services like text messaging and location services outside of the context of an emergency, I think you increase, you know, the value proposition a significant bit. And I think one kind of interesting thing is often when we think about being in, in environments of of uh, lack of coverage, you think about very remote environments. Hey, I went camping. Hey, I went on a vacation here, et cetera. But once you start Looking a little bit more closely, there are often many micro uh, moments in your life where you don't have connectivity, and it's not a life or death situation for you to have it or not, but it's a simple act of convenience about being able to communicate in whatever particular environment that you're in. You know, my wife and I have a a local uh, winery that she likes to go to. It's five miles outside Silicon Valley, but at that particular winery, there's no cellular coverage. And so certainly we could go two miles down the road this way, two miles down the road that way. But in that particular micro transaction, uh, there is none. And to have the convenience to be able to, uh, you know, send a text message that says, Hey, we're going to be late for lunch or, or whatever that may be. I think there are many moments in people's lives where some of those both micro as well as macro, uh, environments, uh, you know, can appreciate a, a, you know, a heartier sense of uh, communication capabilities. You know, on the industrial side, I mentioned that, um, uh, you know, that electrical grid monitoring scenario. And I think honestly, that is a very big, a set of applications where ubiquitous connectivity makes a very meaningful difference. Uh, because, again, you know, for the viewers who aren't aware, you know, I'm, I'm based in California and California every year is fraught with huge amounts of wildfires. And it's a major situation. And a lot of it, well, not all of it, but a lot of it comes from, you know, interactions between the environment and uh, the electrical grid. And, you know, my local le- electrical grid company, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, is put in a tough position where they've got hundreds of thousands of miles of lines and they need to be able to put a solution in place to monitor those. And, you know, it's hard to say a priori if this particular electrical grid is inside or outside of satellite coverage. And when you start thinking about managing different skews of hardware and managing different skews of network providers and looking at the fact that a simple satellite connected device today is probably a thousand dollar device, it becomes a very hard task to manage. But by being able to take a cellular quality device, you know, a ten dollar device with a singular uh, connectivity provider, it creates a much more logistically manageable solution. So that's actually a feasible um, uh, path to actually monitor that grid and address some of those challenges that arise from those interactions. And I think you can take that scenario of that Pacific gas and electric electrical grid monitoring problem and stamp that across industries around the world here. Uh, And so whether it's for climate change related reasons, electrical grid monitoring um, or ocean monitoring, et cetera, I I think there's a material difference between being connected 95 percent of the time and 100 percent of the time. And once you get to that 100 percent of the time threshold, that enables new business models, that enables new outcomes. And so I think there's a great potential for this type of uh, hybrid connectivity service.
0: Fantastic. I'd love to jump ahead in my questions to follow your train of thought here. Um, how exactly do we go about connecting machines interoperably
1: and in cost-effective ways? Yeah, so I think, again, I'll circle back to that ecosystem piece. And again, about that not changing user behavior piece. So Skylo, you know, again, we are a satellite network operator. But most importantly, we are a 3GPP or cellular technology ecosystem operator. And so as part of that, as an example... Um, You you mentioned that Soracom announcement. As part of that Soracom announcement, um, we as organizations are integrating our networks together uh, in the back end the same way that terrestrial network operators integrate their networks from a roaming perspective. And so it's about creating these satellite networks and making them completely interconnected from a roaming perspective and interoperable uh, with these terrestrial networks. Because, again, the vision is that. Uh, consumers and enterprises continue to buy their connectivity from terrestrial operators, continue to, um, you know, receive a single SIM card from those terrestrial operators, and then those terrestrial operators take their current service offerings, combine them, uh, with uh, the satellite service offerings, and then just offer a single seamless, uh, plan forward to their end customers. And so in that respect then, you may have a delivery company who buys asset trackers. And those asset trackers are using the latest chipsets from MediaTek, from Qualcomm, whatever their chipset provider is that enables connectivity. And inside those uh, devices, they have that SIM card, as an example, from uh, Soracom. And then naturally, um, without, you know, intervention – they will connect over the terrestrial network when they can. And then when they go to that winery my wife and I go to for a delivery or when they go to, uh, you know, the, the mountains as they pass over this region, then that device automatically uh, goes over there. And so, you know, the, the complete ecosystem is enabled by enabling the major chipset manufacturers. And just about every major chipset manufacturer, um, you know, is working on this. As an example, we mentioned uh, recently, you know, our partnership with Qualcomm, our partnerships with MediaTek, so it's about enabling all of these chipsets, and then it's about enabling these MNOs and mobile network operators and uh, MVNOs, mobile virtual network operators, and interconnecting with them such that they're in a position to sell this seamless connectivity, uh, hybrid connectivity product.
0: Fantastic. So you've uh, you've jumped around a series of um, business cases here, all, all uh, very interesting. But where do you see the fastest or strongest growth in this technology? And which regions do you think are going to be especially heavy adopters?
1: Yeah, so I think we're seeing a very strong injection of energy from the consumer segment right now. I think Apple has thrown down the gauntlet uh, in terms of, of setting user expectations for the types of connectivities that exist on consumer handsets. And that's created, um, you know, a, a response requirement in the broader consumer ecosystem where, hey, if an Apple device has this capability, I have to have this capability. And so that's creating a huge amount of uh, energy injection uh, right now. However, I think, you know, as the industry continues to mature, as the industry continues to grow, I do think the industrial segments are probably going to be the larger segments overall by uh, volume. And again, whether it's those electrical grids or, you know, uh, asset trackers, whatever that may be, even doing things as simple as tracking a a, um, package in the mail. And so one of the things I didn't mention is, you know, we've done things as far as connecting uh, printed shipping labels. So a shipping label that you print out on a piece of paper with a printed antenna and you throw it away at the end of its uh, journey, even assets like that have the capability to connect over satellite. And so again, I think you're gonna see a quick injection of energy in the consumer segment, but then as time goes on, you're gonna continue to see the growing swell and ultimately overtaking of the uh, enterprise segments. You know, In reference to markets here, I think the US is naturally a very big market uh, for this uh, type of capability. I think that's driven largely by the fact that the U.S. is a very large market. Uh, the connectivity, the terrestrial connectivity is a little bit more sparse and there's a large natural need. Um, and the other uh, area that I think is interesting is China. Uh, and so, um, you know, China is doing a lot of work from the government perspective to organize the industry about what success looks like from a non-terrestrial network perspective. And so China is being very organized in terms of how they pursue this. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, driving a lot of uh, interest globally also to see how China, um, you know, hones in on this problem.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Andrew Nuttall, uh, CTO and co-founder of Skylo Technologies. Thank you very much for joining us on The Dish today. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me.